Welcome to the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow on the Gonzaga Nation Media Network. Today's host, a coach in transition, someone I'm really looking forward to hearing some stories and some of his thoughts on the game of basketball. Gotten to know him a little bit over the last couple of years as he's been an assistant at Washington State, but he's from New York City. He's one of the all-time great point guards at North Carolina, Derek Phelps. Coach, thanks for joining. I appreciate having me. Well, let's just get right into basketball in the big city of New York. Uh, I'm a West Coast guy. I grew up in the Portland area. You know, and for me, point guards in Portland are Damon Stoudemire, Terrell Brandon. Um, when you look at a point guard, you always hear about New York City point guards. I've got a couple in mind that I want to get your take on. But first, what is a New York City point guard like to you? Uh, to me, me growing up, uh, I've it's more of a, like a playground guy, always, uh, he always played outside for sure. So our biggest deal in New York city that, you know, you didn't shoot jump shots back then when I played, you know, you kind of like be a, like a real big time dribbler, try to get by people, try to get to the rim, try to finish layups. And, uh, our whole deal was in that mindset back when I was growing up was like, get by people, have a good handle and like just finish at the rim. And like, and I think uh, the biggest thing with us too, when I was growing up was like court vision. You know, we was always that, always the New York guards, always the people that can get guys the ball, but always can break you down and get to the basket as well. Well, that, that uh, kind of summarizes two guys that I was teammates with at, in short stints in the NBA. Uh, they were a little bit after you. Andre Barrett, we were teammates for USA basketball and we're university games, a short stint with the Clippers together. And then Omar Cook and I were teammates for a short bit with the Blazers. Amazingly, he just finished his career playing in, in Spain in the EuroLeague. Um, so that kind of description fits them perfectly. When you look back at some of the previous guys, the, the legends, so to speak, would it be Rob Strickland, Mark Jackson, Tiny Archibald? Who were those guys for you growing up that you looked up to? I kind of always try to pat at my game. I was a big Mark Jackson fan. You know, when he's playing at St. John's, I used to always watch St. John's play. I was a fan of St. John's growing up. Of course, I'm from Queens, so it was kind of ideal for me to be watching them all the time. Of course, uh, Kenny Smith is another guy, Carolina Carolina guy. Of course, like, he was a he, went, he played against my he was an arch rival. Of course, he went to Malloy High School. I went to Christ the King, so you know, I always had a chance to watch him play a lot. He's definitely from Queens as well. You know, guys like like you said, Rod Strickland, another legend in the New York City area. Pearl Washington, rest in peace, was another guy that he's always watched at Syracuse. So it's a lot of legends for sure. But those are the guys I kind of looked up to for sure. But Mark Jackson was the guy I kind of tried to patent my game after. Big point guard. You know, I used to like to back guys down, stuff like that. You know, court vision, stuff like that, you know. I wasn't as, I won't say slow, but I was much quicker than he was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want to put anybody on blast, but yes, Mark, Mark Jackson was not the quickest of point guards. Uh, you know, I matched up against him in the NBA at the tail end of his career, and uh, I, I was worried about getting back down, not blown by. Um, and <laughs> I wasn't a great defender, so that kind of put it in perspective. <laughs> So growing up in Queens, St. John's is right there. You mentioned Kenny Smith. He obviously went to North Carolina. Dean Smith, he starts recruiting you in high school. 
what is the pull and attraction in North Carolina and to make a New York guy like yourself become a Tar Heel? A funny, I'm not going to say funny story, but uh, uh, what's good? The main recruiter was trying to recruit me back then was Bill Guttrich, which uh, that kind of noticed me. And uh, me coming out of high school at the time, you know, I was getting more of the East Coast of, you know, the Yukons, the Syracuse. Uh, Seton Hall with PJ Calissimo there. Uh, so it was more like locally. And uh, I think Guthrie's came in to come watch Kyle Reeves play, who was my backcourt partner that got to end up going to Arizona. And, uh, and after the game, and I had a great game. I think I had like over 20 points or so, blah, blah, blah. This is my junior season. And, uh, and Bill Guthrie said to my coach at the time, you know, they're looking for a point guard. He says, you know, we love Kyle Reeves, but I really love Derek Phelps to be the point guard that we need to start recruiting for Carolina. So that's that's when I, my focus started really more going towards Carolina at the time, and you know, seeing who, who's on the team, you know, who's their point guards, and past stuff. And I know I knew Kenny Smith at the time, not known personally, but uh, I just knew the whole history of uh, Carolina. Him recruiting New York guards was like a real big deal to. You know, Coach Dean Smith at the time. But uh, yeah, at that time, Carolina wasn't my focus when I was playing and stuff like that. But when, when the time started, I really started focusing on it. And, and like Dean Smith loved New York guys, New York guards, let's put it that way. The Jimmy Blacks, uh, of course, Kenny Smith, uh, King Rice, you know, so he always kept like a New York guy in his stable for sure to, to lead his team. So I felt honored to be one of those guys that he was looking at and wanted to recruit. So you had a high school backcourt of yourself and Khalid Reeves. Did you guys ever lose a game? The funny part, I only played varsity two years. Khalid played varsity three years. We, matter of fact, we was uh, together on our freshman team at Christ the King together and went 26 and 0. And then the next year he went to varsity. I stayed on JV and played another year. Then our junior year, we ended up being 28 and one. And now uh, we was like third in the country that year. And, uh, and we was very good. We had Jamal Faulkner ended up, you know, committed to uh, Pittsburgh, ended up going to Arizona State, then finished his career up in Alabama. Uh, and, uh, and we had like, I'd say we had like six division one players on that team. Wow. And, and the game we lost, Kyle Reeves didn't play because something happened in the practice two days before because he wasn't getting the ball enough. <laughs> so coach said, well, I'm sitting you down since you don't get the ball enough in practice. You ain't going to be playing the next game. And we happened to lose that game by like one point or two. I forgot. I'm not going to name it. I'm not going to name the team we lose to because I hear those, I hear those guys all the time talk about <laughs> we want that, uh, stop y'all from going undefeated. And so I had to hear that story all the time, but, but uh, yeah, we was pretty good. And uh, in our senior year together, we was, considered the best backcourt in the country and uh, end up losing in the semifinals in the city and uh, against O'Hollows at the time with Chanel Scott. You know, we had nobody to guard the big fella, 6'11". So with the fact that you played varsity of two years, Khalid Reeves played three, you're, you've been in the college coaching world now for, for quite some time. You have to be able to, to share some of that kind of patience with players that you're recruiting because everybody wants it now they want to start as a freshman on varsity they want to be recruited you know going into their sophomore year 
but it, you had to obviously you, you've got the different perspective of growing at your own pace. What do you share with kids uh, during that recruiting process? Because I believe in the path that is right for the player can't be forced. No, I, I totally agree. I think I kind of tell guys, like I, I give them my path and stuff like that. And uh, yes, I could have played varsity after my freshman year in high school. And, uh, and my coach at the time said to me, he was like, he's like, Phelps, I think I would love to have you on varsity right now. But I, he, he, he thought at the time I would stop a guy getting a division one scholarship at the time, which the kid that was, I was underneath at the time was, was really good. And, you know, he, he ended up going to Rhode Island, Carlos Easterlin. Uh, and I, I ended up playing against him in doing college too, which is funny. And, uh, and he just felt like if I came up, I would have took, took a lot of his minutes and would have been slow down his process of getting division one process of, I mean, uh, scholarship. So he told me like, just play JV and, you know, continue to build your, build your game and just get better. And that's kind of what I did. And I kind of tell guys that the same way as I like, listen, like you don't have to be on Boston to be seen. And like, it's a process nowadays. Now you got so much more outlets. Now you got AAU, you got, you got individual trainers that, you know, that know a lot of people too, as well. So you will get noticed. College coaches will find you if you're a player and, and just connections and networking with other people, people will get you in a situation that you will be seen. And, and all this video stuff now, you got social media that helps. Excuse me, but so you have all, all this stuff that can even put you out there even more that helps you out. So you don't have to really be on varsity. Like I said, this AAU stuff is really big now. So we college coaches are always at these events. So you will be found no matter where you at. Well, you were found, you were McDonald's All-American. Um, you know, and that's one of the things that North Carolina is known for. Uh, you know, they're one of the elites of all time, the Blue Bloods, McDonald's All-Americans. You step on campus as a freshman, you look over and you probably got McDonald's and All-Americans on both sides of your locker. What is that like as a freshman walking into your first kind of open gym, your workouts, your, your practices for, for the Tar Heels? I, I really like that type of deal. Uh, you know, me being an All-American and... Uh, this, I, I'll get back to that in a minute. Like the story with, with Dean Smith and me going to Carolina was me being competitive and competing for a spot. You know, I think everybody else was telling me the ball will be in your hands. You run the show. And it was like, no, like no challenge for me. So when coach Smith said like, well, I know you're a McDonald's all American. You have to, uh, you know, come in here and earn a spot. And I'm looking like, looking at him like, huh? And I was like, this, this is like the first thing, first thing I heard from any other coach, everybody else telling me the ball's in your hand, you tell me I have to work for it and a challenge. I said, I have to come from here. And I, I, that, that's what, that would maybe go to Carolina for sure. But me stepping on campus and playing against other guys too, that all were all Americans and, and older than me, I love the challenge and I love competing. And I felt that it only makes you better. You know what I'm saying? They always say iron sharp as iron. I felt like that's, that's what I wanted. And that's what I wanted to play against and compete against. And I, I felt it just made me better as a player, all around player, and just made us made us the team we were in those Carolina, Carolina years. Well, North Carolina is one of those schools that uh, as a kid myself growing up in the Portland area, I, I only dreamed of being recruited by. They never reached out when I wasn't good enough. But 
when you look at the legacy of all the players that are went through North Carolina and being recruited and then playing for Dean Smith, what was that like uh, being coached by, by such a legend? So that's surreal, really. Like it, it didn't hit me till you know you actually get there. Then you actually start getting on the court. Then you, it's just the teaching involved of like details, like everything you do is in practice. It kind of made the games easier, you know. And he, he was such a like event of mine and always ahead of the game. Kind of, kind of taught me as a point guard because I had to think like the coach. So it, it was, it made me more cerebral of knowing the game and knowing what's going to happen before it happens. And if it did happen, I knew how to adjust from it, you know? So it was like, it made me more cerebral in, in, that, in that aspect of it. And the funny part, it got to a point like, I'd be on the floor and, I, and I'm like, you know, you know, talking to our players and like, and like I huddle up and uh, Coach Smith be yelling at me what play to run. And then I'm like, coach, I'm already got that play already set up. So it's like, I started to think like him, mm-hmm. and like and just in the situation or who's hot or who we need to get the ball to or what mismatches is evolving on the court. I started to get that same concept or way to think how coach Smith was thinking at the time. So it was like, and the funny part, King Rice told me that would happen to me. If, you know, being there for those four years, you know, it's going to be sooner or later, you're going to be thinking just like coach Smith thinking on the floor. So that, that made it a big amazement for me being on the floor to think like how Coach Smith was thinking. And, yeah. uh, and just like I said, being at Carolina was a great experience for me, man. And like I said, all the guys I played with, the opportunity, the guys that come back during the summer, the guys you play against that's been in the NBA and pros. And that's like an experience of being at Carolina, man. You can't, nothing like it. Let's stay on the topic of summer runs at Carolina. Cause when I was uh, in the NBA, I'd always come back to Spokane and, and go to Gonzaga and play pickup with the current guys. But if you're at Carolina, there's a different level of guys that were coming back. <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about those summer runs. Did Michael Jordan uh, frequent it? Did he dominate? Did he talk trash? And then what was that like as a young guy learning from those guys that were currently in the NBA where you aspired to be? Yeah, you got all the old guys used to come back. Like you said, Michael Jordan came back a few times when I was there. Sam Perkins, James Worthy. Uh, Kenny Smith, uh, man, who else I can name? Uh, the Brad Doherty's, <laughs> you know, you name Rick Fox, uh, you know, guys that you play with and, and, this, and just the runs are real serious too. Cause you know, when you get out there, you better stay on, you want to, you better win. Cause that's the only reason you're going to stay on the court. Cause, yeah. you know, Cause the other guys that's coming in off the bench or that's been sitting out, you better, hopefully you've been playing well that they'll pick you to come play especially when you are a college player because the old hot, you know how the old heads come in you're like, nah, man, you're, you're fella, I'm playing this one. You know, they, they'll come, come in and bogart you, but you know, that's part of the game and, and you kind of love the runs and you just want to watch too. If you're just not playing, you want to watch and, and you learn from that as well. So the games were intense and like when Jordan was out there, it's really intense because he not, he's not trying to lose. You know, he's going to like get the ball. He's going to hold you. He's going to talk trash. It's like it's, it's like he got money on the line every time he's on the floor, but it's it's a serious deal, and uh, I just love it. That's the competitiveness, and like and that's what I always always like the challenge, and like those guys will make you better when those older guys come in and, and experience and go against the college guys. That Carolina 
tradition is part of one of the biggest rivalries in all of sports, that UNC-Duke rivalry. Uh, tell us a little bit about your experience with that and then when that matchup is about to occur, even though nowadays you are in the college coaching world, do you start a text message thread with some of your old teammates saying, hey, this is a big week, we got we to gotta support the guys? Yeah, absolutely. It's like, like I said, we a big time family. Like I said, I'm on a group chat, maybe like with over 7,500 guys in WhatsApp. And we all talk with each other and we congratulate each other. So that's a real deal with us. Uh, if I'm in town somewhere and one of the guys there, I'll text him, like we might go get dinner or we might meet up for a drink or something. You never know. Uh, but uh, yeah, when, when the Duke Carolina thing is going on, it's, it's real serious. And I played with Hubert Davis, which is now the head coach at Carolina. <laughs> So for two years, I played with Hubert. I got another guy on staff is Pat Sullivan. Uh, guys, guys like Jeff Lebo, I looked up to, you know, so we all stay in contact. We, we give everybody uh, best wishes and good luck. And, you know, always, always talking about beat those dookies, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and like in my era, for sure, was a real big time era because from 90 to 94, you know, that's the era when Christian Leitner, Bobby Hurley, Grant Hill, like the same year I came in with Grant Hill. Uh, all those guys, man, was very competitive because my first two years, they actually won the national championship. So that's how competitive it was. You know, we, and we ended up beating them during those years and stuff like that. And of course, my junior year, we won a national championship. So the ACC was very heavy and top heavy with Carolina and Duke those years. So, so the competitive aspect of it was competing against Hurley all the time and Leitner, you know, the Grant Hills, of course, those guys were really top-notch players. So going against those guys in that era was very, very competitive and challenging. And those, that's the games you want to play against. And like I was saying, it's one of the biggest rivalries in sports history. So I was glad I was part of that and had a chance to be involved and, and won some games against those type of players. Well, you won plenty of games and you also won a big one that following year. You touched on it, the 93, I believe it was, title game. People don't remember, or people don't remember it maybe necessarily for what you guys did, more so they remember it for what Chris Weber did. But you were part of the reason he called that timeout. You trapped him uh, right when he started to get past half court and he kind of funneled him towards that bench. Walk us through that final uh, couple seconds of the game from your perspective. Yeah, at the time, uh, we was at the free throw line. Pat Sullivan was shooting, uh, I don't know if it was one-on-one. On, one on one. Well, he made the first one, so he ended up shooting two shots. And that put us up two. Now, people don't talk about that. They had, like, Weber would have came down, scored, or they would have came down and won the game. In that little documentary, I ain't going to talk about it. But, <laughs> but we were up. So Pat made the first one and made it, make us up uh, two points. He misses the second one. Weber gets the rebound. He wanted to throw an outlet to uh, Jalen Rose at the time. I think at the time, it was George Lynch. Kind of like jumped the passing lane, made him travel. Of course, they didn't call the travel. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, he started to dribble up the court. And I'm like a little bit past half court. So as he's coming towards me, I kind of funnel him towards the sideline. And he started going towards the corner. And, and this is an instant reaction, how we do it. George Lynch comes in, he's in the corner, we automatically trap, you know, because even though we up, we want them to take a crazy shot or we want to speed them up, you know, knowing that we quick and long and, and we big too. We had Montrose, Brian Reese at the time, 
Pat Sullivan was on the court and Donald Williams. So it was like, we kind of make you want to think quickly and make mistakes, which he ended up getting to the corner. He gets trapped, calls a timeout that he doesn't have. And after that, I knew it was over. <laughs> you mentioned the name George Lynch. Uh, he was a teammate of mine in North at, uh, in New Orleans. Unbelievable teammate, played extremely hard, great person. Uh, I loved playing with him. When you look back at your time at Carolina, do you have a, a, a certain teammate that, you know, you've stayed in touch with more than others? Because I know, you know, there is a familyhood to it, but then guys kind of go their separate ways. You get busy with your own careers, whether it's coaching or business. Uh, you know, is there a certain guy that you stayed in touch with more? Uh, pretty much Brian Reese, you know, New York guy. I, I talk to all the time. Uh, George Lynch, I, I do speak to all the time. Matter of fact, he came up to Pullman, Washington to come visit really? me. That's, that's that's big time. Uh, I don't think that, no that's a journey. Did. Yes. And oh, I, I live in Spokane. Pullman is a journey. <laughs> yeah. You know, George Lynch. Uh, who else do I talk to most? Uh, he used to play at Carolina, which is my best friend now, Larry Davis, but ended up going to Carolina, I mean, South Carolina for two years and had a great, and had a great career. He's like one of my best friends. Uh, I still talk to Donald Williams. I talk to Stackhouse. I talk to Rasheed Wallace. Uh, so yeah, there's pretty many, as many guys teammate wise that I still talk to. Pat Sullivan still talk to, he's at Carolina right now. And every now, every now and then Eric Montross. So we still as a group still have our little own Carolina group where we play with each other. And then we got a full group of just all the errors. Yeah, the names that you mentioned right there being a part of, of Carolina basketball and that connection is impressive. Lots of great players, lots of guys that are in the coaching world doing really good things now. Stackhouse, obviously, at Vanderbilt. Mm -hmm. uh, looks like Rasheed Wallace might be joining the Lakers staff. Um, but I, everybody in college level aspires to play professionally. You had a long career over in Europe. And when I looked at the bio, you played in a, in a, in a, for a team in Germany that I had a short stint for, and you played extremely well. Bomberg, the bros baskets. When I saw that, that brought a smile to my face. Give us, give us a little bit about Bomberg and, and what that experience was like for you. Well, my first time in Germany was Bomberg. So my matter of fact, my first time in Europe. So my first Europe gig back in, oh man, was this 96? I want to say was my first gig in Bamberg. I had a, my coach was American. Ken Scalabroni. And uh, and when I came in, I was, of course, there's only at that time two Americans on the team. So when I actually got there, it was another American, a big kid, Ted Jeffries, that went to Virginia, you know, the big lefty. So me, I'm a lefty too. So we had two lefties on that team. So my experience in Bamberg, which was great in 96, because that's the time before 9-11, they got an army base there. Mm -hmm. So I used to allow them to go on an army base, show my American passport and like go in there, go to the, go to the PX, you know, and get some American products, kind of help my situation. And, uh, and like, it's a small town, you know, good, good college bat, not college basketball, good uh, European basketball. People want to come to games and support their team, which was a, it was a good look. And uh, I kind of enjoyed my time. And, and it's, it's just, I think the biggest thing that, that helped me that, I kind of played 40 minutes a game because everybody else got hurt. So I had to play all the minutes. And I think we played with like six guys that year. Wow. 
Yeah, so it's like everybody else had knee injuries. So the biggest thing, that, that was my biggest complaint, the floor. It was like a cafeteria floor. Was it Yako Arena? No. Okay. No, so no, no, it was, Yeah, it was like a little high school gym. They had like a cafeteria floor, and people used to slip on it all the time if it got wet. And that people used to have like a lot of knee injuries. So I was fortunate that never happened to me. But we had like three or four guys that had like ACL tears back then. Wow. That took them took them a while. So that's why we only had like six plays. So, so put it to, to put in that perspective, we didn't practice that much. We just it was a lot of shooting, just getting shots up. And when the game started, we just played. But yeah, it was I, a- I, I enjoyed my experience in Bamberg though. Matter of fact, I had two stints in it. So it was like I came back after like what maybe nine years later. Okay. And ended up playing in that in, in that arena you're talking about. Yeah, the Yako Arena. It was one of the loudest atmospheres I've ever been a part of uh, basketball, whether it's college, NBA, obviously Europe. It was it was great. I unfortunately got hurt too. There must be something uh, over there in Germany with how they do player treatment, but I got hurt, so my time was cut short. Um, like I said, you 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 played professionally as something guys aspire to do. You've been a college coach at Columbia University of San Francisco, Wazoo. You're now in transition. So guys, I'm sure during the recruiting process are looking to you as an example for how to become a pro. Then when you're being their actual coach, they're looking to you for advice because they want to get to where you are at. What's, what's the greatest example or what's the greatest thing that you can share with them to help them realize their goals and dreams? Uh, I think I always tell them it's a journey. I say, I know everybody wants in this day, everything, everybody wants things now, now, you know, like, you know, you got to get yourself in a mindset, especially when you come as a freshman, you know, you got to, you got to learn the ways and, and you going against guys that's been there before they went through their little process and you come in, you expect to just come in and jump in right away. No, you have to earn your position. And, uh, and you got, then you got to actually figure out like, what's going to be my part in this team. You know, can, you can be the star. If you're that talented, if you're that guy, you can do that. Go, hey, hey, go for it. But if you're not doing that your freshman year, then you got to figure a way how can I stay on the court and my coach going to believe in me to be on the court at the important times. It's like the end of the games when it's like crucial, not when it was a blowout. <laughs> so so I kind of tell guys that. And it's like you got to figure your, your, your path and your way to like being a team first and your individual stuff will come out. So I always tell those guys that because like in my career, it's like, I was the point guard. If I came out trying to score all the time and I got all these players that can shoot, score, throw it into the big guy, they'd be looking at me like I'm crazy and we won't be as successful as we were at Carolina. So that was the, that was a learning experience for me. So, but, so I try to tell our guys the same way. You got to figure your way in this, the concept of what the coach, head coach wants and put yourself in a position like how I'm going to make myself better while I'm here and put myself in a position that I do want to be a pro. And you know, you might be you might be that talent for sure, but you gotta actually show it too. So it's not like it's not gonna just happen. You gotta actually show it and you gotta compete too. And I think most guys and, and they don't want to practice nowadays. That's the funny part. They just they just want to do some individual training and uh let's play the games. And like, no, you have to practice because you gotta know your teammates you wanna play, gotta know the concept of defense, gotta know what offense we running. Cause it's not throw you the ball and like, all right, you just we just play this ain't playground. So it's like, it's a lot of things you got to tell guys. And uh, 
I think the biggest thing I have to put myself to tell them what to do sometimes because sometimes they won't ask because you know kids nowadays they think they know yeah. everything or they, or they just gonna I'm gonna look it up online and just you know figure it out like hey I'm here right here and I'm telling you and like I'm always trying to adjust especially a point guard I'm always like getting I'm hardest on point guards but you have to be you've been there you've done it you've won a national title you've done all the things that hopefully they want to do you know nil has become an unbelievable buzzword over the last year i i've always said it's going to take a couple years to flush out how exactly it's going to work and benefit both student athletes and programs but you were kind of at the end of two different spectrums you've recently finished coaching at washington state so you see that market. Then you see one of the blue bloods in Carolina. If you were a college student athlete right now and you played for Wazoo and you played for North Carolina, what would the one NIL deal you would want in Pullman and in Chapel Hill be? Oh, well, Chapel Hill, you probably got so much more opportunities, of course, of doing NIL. You know, Wazoo different. We in a different place. And uh, I just, the biggest thing is, what you would have to do probably in Washington State is probably just if I can just if I can eat at a certain restaurants all the time or it's it's a just a different perspective to tell you the truth it's, it's hard it's hard when you a, a school like Washington State to have an NIL deal unless you got oh I'm just I'm just trying to see what they can do that could be better than Carolina not gonna say better than Carolina just something to compete with sure and it's like it's, it's there's so many options when you got like so much other stuff around you and like Chapel Hill got, you got Raleigh Durham, you got Charlotte close, you got Greensboro, Pullman, Washington, you got Moscow, Idaho. And you know, you got Spokane is like an hour and 15 minutes away. And after that, Seattle's four, four hours and a half away, you know what I'm saying? Five hours. So it's not like much things you can do to help the program, but I think I will come into Washington state as a different mindset that, Hey, I'm coming here, I'm gonna play in the Pac-12. I'm gonna focus on my game most of the time, go to school and and try to be a pro. You know what I'm saying? That's the mindset. Carolina, you got a little more different mindset. You know, you're gonna play guys that's been all Americans and the prestige, you know, program and stuff like that. So you be in a position that maybe we're winning titles or, you know, winning regular season or ACC championships. So it's a different mindset of the program. So it's gonna be hard when you're, and, and the funny part, Washington State's a power five school. So it's like, just imagine the, the mid-majors and the low-majors, what they're dealing with, with other kids. So you got to figure something out to fit your, your mindset and go from there. Yeah, yeah. Well, Coach, I appreciate the time. Uh, it's been nice getting to know you. Pre-game chats uh, when I've covered games in Pullman for the Pac-12 Networks. Hopefully we stay in touch a little bit and uh, – I'm sure you've got something great right around the corner, but thanks again for joining.